It's like seeing the newspaper. And we've got to understand how amazing that is. Do you know that the Bible was written thousands of years ago, yet what's going on right now is coming alive in the pages, and how many know that you, can't, you and I couldn't, could, couldn't predict what's going to happen next week, let alone 6,000 years later? And it's not only predicted like a coincidence, it's predicted specifically. And so we are seeing the book of Revelations unfold, the book of Isaiah, the book of Ezekiel, the book of Daniel, like never before, and at an accelerated pace. And so don't, for, don't miss out Thursday. If you've got questions, if you wonder things, if you don't know what the Bible says about a certain subject in the, the book of Revelations, come Thursday night and we'll give you some answers through the scriptures. John chapter 11, say amen if you're there. And look at verse 17. And uh, have your Bibles ready this morning. I want to look at quite a few scriptures. And uh, as we read this, I want to, uh, I'm thankful for the songs they sang this morning, first of all. Uh, because we need, to, we need to know this morning, right before we read, we need to know what we believe. Amen? Amen. And we need to know, let me ask you this, we need to know if we do believe. Let me go a step further. Not what we believe, but if you believe it. And I want you to ask yourself that this, this morning. I could have you turn to someone next to you and say, do you believe? But I don't want you to ask that. I want, to ask, I want you to ask yourself. By the time this message is over, I want you to know, do I really believe? Amen. Do I really believe? Not do I, do I uh, uh, agree to a, a group common belief or, or do, I, do I believe because I'm here? Someone would say, I'm here. But, amen, that don't mean anything. That's like going to a class and getting an A because you were there. Right? I want you to ask yourself this morning through these scriptures and do a self-examination of yourself and ask yourself at the end, do I really believe what I'm reading in these scriptures? Amen? Because I can tell you right off the bat, I do. I do believe. Amen? And I want to read in verse 17. It says, so when Jesus came, John 11, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days, is talking about Lazarus. And Bethany was near Jerusalem, about 200 miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. He was dead. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house, and Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God... God will give you. And Jesus said in verse 23, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said these words, I am the resurrection and the life. Amen. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me Though he may die, he shall live. Can you agree that those are some of the most powerful words you could ever read in the world? Amen. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who what? Believes in me. Though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And watch this question. Do you believe this? Jesus asked her, do you 
believe this? And that's the question I want, you to, I want to ask you this morning. I want to ask you, do you believe? Do you believe? And, and you might have an answer for me right now, but I, want to, I hope you have a better answer by the time the message is over. And I want you to really get to an understanding that, church, we, we've got to really get down to the nitty-gritty now and see where my, where's my faith at. How many know it's easy to believe and have trust in God and say, hallelujah, you have overcome when everything is okay. Everything's right. But when the, when the waters get ugly and things begin to happen and your faith is tested, it's not so easy to say, I believe. Or it might be easy to say you believe, but do you really believe? Amen. Come on, don't get quiet on me. Just, I'm, not, I'm not mad at you. Amen. Amen. I'm just trying to get you to think. And we need to understand that there's a humongous difference. It's not a whole lot of distance on a ruler, but there's a humongous distant, dis difference between the distance of knowing Jesus Christ is alive and real up here and knowing he's alive and real in here. Lots of people miss it by however much that distance is exactly. What do you want to call it? A foot or 12 inches or whatever. A lot of people miss that. And I believe a lot of people today really say they believe in Jesus, but I don't know if they really do believe in Jesus. And we need to ask ourselves that question. Do I believe? Because if Jesus asked that question, we need to ask that question. Amen? And we know that, that Mary was a woman of God. Sorry, Martha was a woman of God. So why was he asking you that? Come on, get, put yourself in the story. He wasn't asking some, some person on the street that he didn't know. He was asking somebody who was very close to him and had already, watch this, already said, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection. So she had already said that, uh, you know, she had faith. She had already professed that she believed. But then Jesus said, do you believe this? Do you really, he could even put in there, do you really believe this? And watch what she says, 27. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God. Amen. Amen. You need to ask yourself that this morning. Do you believe that he is the Christ, the son of God? How many in this place this morning believe that God created the heavens and the earth? Amen. We showed an awesome video on Wednesday night. If you weren't here, you can watch it on YouTube. Go and YouTube it. It says it's called Evolution versus God. It's a powerful 30-minute video, and it explains that God is real. And let me tell you something. By the time we got done watching that, we realized you have to have more faith to believe in evolution than you do to believe in a creation by a God of intelligent design. Amen? And that guy, he, he, he dumbfounded and bewildered and, and made those professors that, that said they were so smart not look too smart. Amen? Because God says, I have used the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And the wise is somebody who believes in something else than what Jesus says he is. Amen? So do you believe, you, you need to ask yourself that. I'm going to go through a few things. Do you believe, honestly, that God created the heavens and the earth? Do you believe that he said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth? Do you believe that is a story? Do you believe it's real? Or do you believe it's made up? And you need to ask yourself that. Well, the Bible says in Genesis 1 that he did. And because Genesis 1 said he did, I believe it. Amen. Amen. Do you believe 
in what the Bible says that thousands of years ago, God got tired of the humanity that he had made as he is probably today, maybe worse, and said, I can't believe I made man. I don't know why I did. I wish I wouldn't have. Did you know that he actually said in the word, he wished he wouldn't have made man? And I can imagine that today he's more frustrated than he was before the days of Noah. But he spoke to Noah and he said, Noah, I need you to build an ark because I'm going to destroy this world and we're going to start over because I can't stand the sin any longer. And he said, Noah, go build that ark. And Noah began to build that ark. And I believe that the Bible says that he sent a rain down on the earth and it flooded the earth and everything that existed except those that were inside the boat died. How many believe that? You need to ask yourself that. Do I believe that God destroyed the earth? Do I believe that he made an ark and that he had a plan? Listen to this, a plan of salvation. Do you realize that today in the world we live in, we are in the place, the same place and same situation and same life that they were in in the days of Noah? And right now there's an ark that's being built called the rapture of the church. And the church is trying to preach we need to be ready. We need to be watching. We need to be living for the Lord. Because he said, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man comes. And people are marrying and drinking and partying and living and having life and doing whatever they want. And he said, all of a sudden, the rain came down. The boat shut up. And only those that were in the boat were saved. Eight people. Amen? How many are going to be in the boat? But you got to ask yourself, do I really believe? Do I really believe that, that he destroyed the world and, and, and some guy built an ark and he put all the animals in it and the people got in and got saved? I believe it because Genesis 6 to 9 says it. Amen. Do believe this morning that God swallowed up a man in the belly of a whale. Or is that just to you this morning a good old story that you heard maybe in Sunday school when you were growing up? That God spoke to a man called Jonah and he said, I want you to go and preach. He said, I want you to see something this morning as I go through this message. You need to realize I've got 20 years now of serving the Lord and I've realized that I don't know, really know anything. The more I'm saved, the realize the less I know. But I, what I do know is that God's word is true. And I realize more and more and more that this, this Bible that everybody tries to make difficult isn't as difficult as people try to make it. It's a little simpler than we try to make it. The world tries to make it difficult. But what happens is history repeats itself. And everything that happened in the Old Testament is happening again. And it's repeating again. But here's the great thing, church. They didn't have a Bible when they went through it. We have the Bible. We have the Word of God. We have the experience to say, hey, let me look back at the story of Jonah. And the story of Jonah was, hey, I need you to go preach to Nineveh. And he said, I don't want to go preach to Nineveh. I don't like those people. I don't want them to be saved. They're wicked. And he fought God. And he said, I'm not going. And so he got on a boat and God said, yes, you are. Let me tell you something this morning. God's going to get his work done whether you get involved or not. Amen. So you might as well get involved. The team is going to win whether you're on the team or not. So get on the team. Amen. Don't be watching it from the stands. We know the story. He said, I'm not going to do it. He got thrown into the water. A whale swallowed him up. It's not too hard to see. You ever seen a blue whale? They're about 90 feet long. 
I'm not telling you that the, that the blue whale swallowed him up, but it, it don't matter if God made a fish that day for him. It doesn't matter how he did it. I believe in my heart, without a doubt, that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. It wasn't symbolic. And he stayed in that well for three days, which is the time that Jesus Christ stayed in the tomb. Amen. And he came out and he went and preached liberty to Nineveh and the whole city got saved. Amen. Nineveh and Jonah and the whale is a true story. But I ask you, do you believe it? Go to 1 Kings chapter 18. I want to read a story to you this morning. You know why I'm doing this? Because I want your faith to rise. I want you to understand. I want you to, I want you to get to a place where you say, hey, I believe or I don't. Make your choice. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. Does anybody like it when somebody is the same all the time? I like it when people don't change. Does anybody like consistency? I don't think I'm the only one, right? Do you like it when, when you can kind of count on something? Amen. God wants to count on us this morning. He wants to know I can trust that person and they're going to be the same today as they're going to be in six years as they were three years ago, of course, in Christ. And I believe that God wants us to get to a place where our faith is not so easily shaken. How many like to be at that place? First Kings chapter 18. Let's look at a story here. How many know Elijah was a mightily used man of God? In Elijah's in a place, and we could put ourselves, you need to put yourselves in these Bible stories. Okay, you need to put yourself in these situations and, 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 and not just read it. And, you know, sometimes it's frustrating to watch people or, 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 or see people serve God or walk with God because I don't think they get it sometimes. It's like sometimes, and I know, I know we get tired and I know we get busy with life, but we're sitting there singing a song called You Overcame, and some of us are thinking about lunch. Come on, let's be real. And it's like, man, God, please help us get a revelation of how real you are, please. Please, God, let us understand how, that you really are coming back. God, please help us understand that you are on the throne this morning. Please help us understand that some crazy times are coming and we need to grab onto you like we never have before. And that when you say you overcame, you overcame. God, help us. Amen. I know we get tired. I know we get down by things, but we need to wake up. Tell the person next to you, wake up. You slept last night and you'll sleep again tonight. And if you didn't, you can take a nap today. So Elijah is in a place where he feels like you and I might feel. Nobody believes. Nobody's living for the Lord. Everybody hates God or they're worshiping other gods. And he's in a place where there's 450 prophets of Baal. They are worshiping Baal. You know what the word Baal means? It means Lord. Lord. So what does that mean this morning? We live in a world. Let me tell you something. It's funny because atheists or agnostics or whoever, they think they don't believe in anything. They have lords. We all have gods. We all have lords. And we all have things in our lives that are more important than God. Or, or if we don't, they try to be. Our, our job is to not let those things in. Amen. There's a lot of things that can become lords. And so we think of a, of a God of Baal and we think, oh, they were worshiping the sun or they were worshiping a thing. Anything that is more important than God is an idol. 
And, and you might need to ask yourself, and I might need to ask myself this morning, God, what lords, what bales do I have in my life? What do I have in my life that is more important than you? What, 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 is, what is something, I, 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 I tweeted something yesterday that I saw that was really powerful. It said, nobody's going to be in heaven that loves anything more than Jesus. Think about that. That's a simple fact. That's a truth. Nobody's going to be in heaven that loves anything more than Jesus. Period. Because Matthew 6.33 said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then he said, all these things will be added unto you. How many believe this morning that we serve a God who's a jealous God? And he does not share his glory with anybody. Amen. And he's okay with you having a hobby. And he's okay with you having fun. And he's okay with you enjoying life. But as long as he's first. Amen. And if he's not first, then you need to get him back first this morning in your life. And you'll be happy. You'll be joyful. You'll have the joy of the Lord if you put him first. And so watch this story. This is kind of a picture of the world today. Elijah, sorry, 1 Kings 18. Elijah's got a message and he's going to verse 20. We're going to read from here at Mount Carmel. There's a, there's a situation that happens. And right before we read it, let me just sum it up real quick. Elijah's by himself. He believes in the one true living God. And he's fighting all these prophets of Baal. And he's fighting all the prophets of Asherah, which is pretty much a, it's a different God, a, a, a God of, 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 uh, of divinity. Uh, Baal is a God of fertility, but it still means Lord. Other things that are more important. There could be all kinds of God for us. And he gets to a place and he says, look, I'm sick and tired of talking about God. I want to show you who God is. How many want this world to see who God is? Amen. Now let me remind you, just let me interject something for two seconds about the end times, church. I want to remind you of something. A lot of times we get, we get fooled into thinking, where's God? Where's God? I see things happen. I, I told you all about the Rapture Palooza movie that came out. And I, and I told you about that blaspheme, blasphemic movie that came out where they make fun of the millennium. They make fun of the rapture. They make fun of all these things. And I wonder sometimes, my flesh says, God, why don't you strike those people dead when they do that? <clears throat> Something comes over me, which is called righteous indignation. And it bothers me that these people do these things. It's like if you're going to go live your life, if you're going to go party and have sex and do the wrong things, do your thing, but don't mess with God. That's a whole nother level of stupidity. And so sometimes I think, God, why don't you do something about this? But don't get fooled. Galatians says God will not be mocked. Don't get fooled when you see God not doing anything. Because seven years after the tribulation starts, church, God is going to come down and he's going to deal with this world. And the Bible says he's going to come down and he's going to rule and he's going to reign. That was a good place to get excited, but y'all missed it. Let me, let me say that again. Jesus is going to come down and he's going to deal with people. But see, the problem is you don't realize we weren't, we're not going to be in that. Y'all missed that, that opportunity. We're not going to be in that. We're not going to be there for the wrath. We're going to be coming down with him from the clouds. We are the great army. We're going to be crowned and we're going to come with him. But he's going to deal with this world. You know, you, you might not have noticed when we were singing because sometimes, like I said, we get caught up and we're, we're okay, I gotta, remember the beat. Don't be off beat. 
I know a lot of times we're focusing that we're not missing the beat. Or some of you need to focus, amen, that you're not missing the beat. Amen. And we're clapping and stuff. We're not really paying attention to the song, but the song says, every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess. That's not just some pretty words to sing at church. That's a fact. Every knee's going to bow. Every tongue's going to confess. And they're going to say, Jesus is Lord. But guess what? I choose to say it while I'm alive. I choose to say it before he comes. I choose to say it so I can do it now and not when I have to. Does anybody else believe that's going to happen? Well, guess what? I got news. It's going to happen whether you believe it or not. So Ahab, verse 20, sent for the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to the people and said, how long? I believe, listen, this is the word of the Lord right here this morning. How long will you falter between two opinions? I want to take a second. I want you to grab a pen and I want you to underline those words. How long will you falter between two opinions? This, this is where we got to get, church. We got to get to a place where I say, hey, Jesus is Lord or I don't believe. You cannot be in two places at one time. You cannot be on God's side and be in the world's side. You cannot be a Christian and be in the world. You can't have everything. You can't have both. You have to choose. And Jesus says in the book of Revelations, he said, look, if you want to be lukewarm, go ahead. It's your choice. Free will. But I'll spit you out of my mouth. He'd rather you be cold. Do you realize that? He'd rather us, the church, be cold than lukewarm. He's basically saying, look, you, I give you the choice. Do what you want. But I think that if, in, if there's anything God hates more than anything, it's people who ride the fence. People who mess around and, and try to play church on Sunday and live different during the week. And I'm not saying anybody in here is doing that. I'm just telling you that's something God doesn't like. You know, make your choice. Decide, I'm going to live for the Lord all the way or I'm going to live for the world all the way. I've always been honest with you about my own personal life and about my own personal decisions. decisions. And I've always said, if God didn't really change me, I wouldn't be doing this. I'd be living it up in the world. I'd be doing everything that you could think of and having fun. Because if you're, gonna, if you're not going to make it, you might as well have some fun before you go. Don't miss out on all that fun that you could have. But hey, he says, how long will you falter between these two opinions? Do you believe? Basically it's this, do you believe or do you not? Amen. Don't, don't confuse my serious face for anger. Amen. Just listen. Ask yourself the question. How long will you falter? How long will you go back and forth? How long will one Sunday you're raising your hands and shouting hallelujah and the next Sunday you're not here? Then one Sunday, oh, God is good. Jesus is Lord. And the next week, oh, God, where are you? What's wrong with you? Are you really real? <clears throat> Make a choice. Do you believe? Hopefully after this message, you'll believe more. So you underline that, right? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, that means any other Lord, follow him. But the people answered him, not a word. Now, right before I continue, do you realize that that was, is what makes God so amazing? 
that he gives us the choice to choose? Because I know of some religions in this world today, church, where they don't give you a choice by force. You believe this or else. God didn't do that. To me, it's an amazing thing that God says, I'm going to let you choose. Exodus says, I have placed before you today life and death. And then what does he say? Choose life. Choose life. But he didn't say there wasn't death. That's, that's the thing I love about the Lord is he's put everything on the table. How many like people to tell you how it is and be up front with you? Amen. Don't, 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 don't pull something out later and say, oh, I forgot to tell you. Amen. You're at the table signing the contract. Oh, I forgot to tell you something. No, God laid it all out. He said, I've put before you life. I've put before you death. I've put before you heaven. I've put before you hell. I've put before you joy. I've put before you sorrow. I've put before you good things. I've put before you bad things. You choose what you want. And it makes you wonder how we could be so foolish to choose the bad things, but we do because of the sin nature. So he says, how long will you go back and forth? Go with me. Verse 22, then Elijah said to the people, oh, sorry, 21, but the people answered him not a word. They were quiet. And Elijah said, I am alone. I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. You ever felt like we're the minority on this earth that believe in Jesus? Therefore, let, watch this, let them give us two bowls and let them choose one for themselves, cut it in pieces, lay it on the wood, put no fire under it, and I will prepare the other bowl and lay it on the wood and put no fire under it. Watch this. So, so, so you understand, he's got a sacrifice over here. He's got a sacrifice over here. He says, this is Baal's and this is the Lord's. We're going to cut up the calf. We're going to put the, foot, the, the wood on the fire. We're going to get it all ready, and then we're going to pray. And we're going to see who's God's real. Let's, let's see what happens. Amen? I, 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 have, I see some serious faith by Elijah. Serious faith. And he says, you, watch this. He says, now you call on the name of your gods. And he even gave him more than one. He said, call on them all. I just got one. And I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. He said, cool. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bull for yourselves, prepare it yourselves, for you are many, and call on the name of your God and put no fire under it. So they took the bull, which was given them, and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal, watch this, from morning till noon, saying, oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. No one answered. They, then, watch this, then they leaped. So they started doing some dancing, jumping around, around the altar. In 27, so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he's meditating, or he's too busy, or he's on a journey. Or perhaps he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they cried aloud. They listened to him. Did you hear what he said? He said, we should cry aloud. We should, let's try that. This ain't working. Let's try that. You got people all around the world today trying everything but God. 
Everything but Jesus. Everything in the world, drugs and alcohol and religions and, and relationships and all these things, and they can't get the answer, but they don't look for Jesus. So they cried out aloud and cut themselves as was their custom with knives and lances until the blood gushed, gushed out of them. Got ugly. And when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering or the evening sacrifice. Look at this. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him. He prepared the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar, large enough, watch this, to hold two seahs of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, laid it on the wood, and said, watch this, fill four water pots with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. Do you realize the faith that Elijah is putting on this thing? He has seen the world try and try and try. He says, not only am I going to call down fire, I'm going to make this miracle a little bit bigger. We're going to wet this thing down. We're going to saturate this thing with water. Not one time, not two times, but three times. Put more water on it. How many know fire doesn't catch when it's wet? Because we serve a God of impossibilities. That can do the impossible and make things possible that are not possible. And he put all this water on, and then verse 35, so the water ran all the way on the altar and filled the trench with water. I hope you're visualizing that. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that the prophet said, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let it be known to this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all the things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, Hear these, that these people may know that you are the Lord God and that you've turned their backs, sorry, and you have turned their hearts back to you again. Are you reading what I'm reading? See the mercy of God? See how this guy is, is about to show them who God really is, yet he stops and prays for them that they would come back to God? Do you realize that before God always pours out his wrath or his plan of, of, of judgment, he always gives an opportunity to be saved? Always. He says, I don't want anybody to perish. I want everybody to be saved. He says, God, turn these people back. Then the fire of the Lord, verse 38, fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, of, uh, uh, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Amen. Amen. How many believe this morning, the Lord is God? Amen. You need to ask yourself that question this morning. Can God raise somebody from the dead? Can he raise somebody from the dead? He did it all through the Bible. He did it in John 11. We read it right there with Lazarus. He raised him from the dead. You might be here going, can God set somebody free? 
Uh, I got some amens already right there. We got some people in here who've been set free. Can God set somebody free? Yes, he can. He went to the man at the Gadarenes in Mark chapter 5 who was cutting himself and was in chains and was out of his mind, had 2,000 demons, cast him out, and he was set free. Can God save my family? Can God save my family? Is my family savable? Yes, Acts 16, 31 says, you call on the name of the Lord and you and your household shall be saved. You and your household shall be saved. Amen. Can he give you joy this morning instead of depression? You might be asking, God, can you do this for me? Yes, he can. He can give you joy instead of depression. Amen. Psalms 35 says, 30 verse 5, he weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Hallelujah. Amen. You need to ask yourself, do I believe this? Do I believe this? Do I believe this? Can he give you peace? Do you believe that God can give you peace? Have you ever been in a situation where it was impossible to have peace, but all of a sudden the Bible says peace came on you that passes all understanding? I don't understand how I can have peace right now, but God gave me peace. That's in John 14, 25 to 27. You ought to read the book of John 14. Can he give you victory over death? Is there life after death? Yes. Oh, I don't believe that. Well, guess what? When they wake up on the other side, they're going to wake up to a hell of a surprise. That's the truth. You're going to be a believer. Amen. I choose to believe on this side. I I choose to believe what the Bible says. And that I don't have to die because 1 Corinthians 15 says, Oh, death, where's your sting? If I believe in Jesus, I'm not going to die. And, if, and we read it in the beginning. If I die, I'll live again. Because he's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the resurrection. He's the I am. And I believe it. You can take this body, but you can't take my soul. It's God's. Do you believe God? Listen, I'm going to close with this as the musicians come. Do you believe God can change anyone? Anyone. You might be here saying, man, I know people or I myself am so lost, so bound. I've done so many bad things I could never be forgiven. That's a lie of the devil. Amen. I believe. Listen, I don't know about you. I can't speak for you, but I am speaking to you and I am asking you to check your faith. I am asking you to ask yourself, do I really believe? I can't answer that for you. But you can answer it for yourself. Do I really believe? I want you to walk out of here this morning asking yourself, do I really believe? And I hope that your answer is yes. I do believe. I do believe God is who he says he is. God can do what he says he can do. God will fulfill the promises that he's placed over our lives this morning, church. Listen. One of the most powerful, amazing stories in the Bible is the cross. What a picture. What a picture of a man who is God who said, I'm going to go down. And I'm, I'm I'm not expecting these people to come up and worship me. I'm going down. All the religions in the world, we have to get up to God. 
Are you listening? We have to get up to God somehow. How in the world could we ever get to God? Oh, you do good works. Do you really think you could do enough good works to get to God? There's all kinds of ways, and, and, and all these religions, all, all these, and listen, God ain't even about religion. That's why I'm saying religions, period. God never intended religion. God intended a relationship. Since Adam and Eve, day one, I want to be with you. I want you to be with me. Sin came in and destroyed that. But every religion is how we get up to God. And God says, I'm going to go down from my throne. And I'm going to humble myself. And I'm not going to be born into a palace. I'm not going to be born into a penthouse or a kingdom of riches. I'm going to go to the lowest place of the lowest place so that everybody can receive me, so that everybody can accept me. And he was born of a virgin so that the bloodline of sin would not be born into our lives. Many people today er erroneously worship Mary. We admire Mary. We think Mary's the bomb. But she's not God. And she has no power to intercede for us. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says we should pray to anybody except Jesus. He said he is the mediator. Mary prays to Jesus. Everybody prays to Jesus. He's the only one who's come out of heaven to walk on this earth with us. But he had to be born of a virgin. He had to be born of a virgin. Because if he'd have been born by a man, he would have had the bloodline of sin in him. So he's born of a virgin, and then he lives a perfect life. Why? Because there's no sin in him. But he lives a real life. He got spanked by his mom and dad. He, he got rebuked by his mom and dad. Why are you in the temple? He worked. He was a carpenter. He did everything we do. He didn't sit in a temple all his life. He had a normal life for 30 years before he started his ministry. And then he walked perfectly without any sin to a cross. And nobody took his life, church. He gave it. Nobody killed him. He gave his life. Do you believe that? And when he died on that cross, church, he was beaten. His beard was torn out. Crown of thorns put on his head. Lashes in his back. All these horrible things. And he carried his own cross to that hill. And then he's hoisted up between two men. This is the picture of salvation. He's hoisted up between two men who are thieves, rotten guys who deserved that cross. They deserved it. And the Bible says that they began to mock him. Both of them. Listen good. Both of them began to mock him. Symbolization of humanity. And they said, if you are truly God, like you say you are, why don't you get down off this cross? And of course, with the human, humanity of, of selfishness and us too. Why don't you get us off too? Do you really think that they cared about him? They wanted to come off the cross. We're selfish people. But all of a sudden, the spirit of salvation came in. 
And one of those men, it doesn't matter if it was on his left or on his right, although the Bible talks always about the people that are godly on the right, so he's probably on the right. Something came down into his spirit. And God was dealing with both of them. And one man continued to mock. But the other one said, wait a minute. I'm a sinner. And I deserve this cross. And I deserve death. And I deserve hell. But Jesus, you do not. You don't deserve this. And he said, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've been making fun. I'm sorry. And he said, Jesus, remember me today, please. It wasn't a long prayer of a whole bunch of words. It was a heart that said, I am a sinner. And you are the Savior. And I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe you are the Christ. And Jesus turned to him and looked at him and said the most powerful words ever said. Today. You will be with me in paradise. Amen. Do you believe that? I believe it. And I believe that you and I are that thief. And today is the day of our salvation. And I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Let's bow our heads this morning.